Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and I'm wondering... Do you have heart disease that runs in your family? Could heart disease be running in your feline family? Today to talk about that with us is Dr. Brian Hurley. He's the medical director for AmeriVet's Veterinary Partners. So welcome to Cat Talk Radio, Dr. Hurley. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, heart disease in, in in terms of humans is a is a broad term that can relate to a lot of different conditions going on. Is that the same with cats? Yeah, I mean, I think heart disease across all species is is similar, just sometimes how they present and and what is being presented, you know, whether human, dog, cat, um that's what kind of makes the difference. And, you know, cats are very similar on the human side that a lot of heart disease on the human side, uh, you know, they kind of call it that silent killer because it can creep up on you without any warning, you know? So all of a sudden you have a heart attack and didn't even know there was something going on, you know, with your heart uh-huh. and, and cats are very similar in that regard that, you know, sometimes we don't know what's happening with them until, you know, there's this dramatic sudden event that occurs. Yeah. And I hear and I hear that it is the leading medical cause of death in cats. Is that right? I think that depends on the source that you read. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I think cancer is definitely, huh? you know, listed. I think heart disease is in the top five. Okay. Safe to say in, in most reports, um, you know, but heart disease in cats isn't as common, I think, as, you know, as we see, say, in, in the canine counterparts. Really? So more more dogs get heart disease than cats? I I think we see more outwardly signs of heart disease in dogs than we do cats. Yeah. Yeah. And so are there feline cardiologists? Are there specialists for, for that? Like yeah, we so have our- human. Yeah, so the veterinary cardiologists do pretty much all species because everything's about the heart, you know, yeah. and that. So, you know, absolutely. And we rely on them a lot because I think some of the advanced diagnostics are needed to uh, treat heart disease in our patients. I mean, you got you have to be somewhat careful on just throwing heart drugs at a at a patient without knowing fully what may be going on. Um, you know, so oftentimes we do want to rely on advanced diagnostics to, to make sure we're treating appropriately. Yeah. And before we talk about diagnostics, help us to understand what some of those clinical signs might be that we see in our cat that, that we should be paying attention to. So unlike dogs, one of the primary things that we see in dogs is coughing. And, but in our cats, you know, probably the two most common things that alert us, again, being kind of that silent killer, is a sudden onset of respiratory distress, not being able to breathe. 
Mm. Um, and the other thing is sudden paralysis in the hind legs in particular, because cats are known to throw what we call saddle thrombuses or blood clots. Mm. And they tend to head, you know, towards the hind limbs and create not only pain, but also the inability to walk. And so those are probably the two most common things that, you know, that they will present with suddenly. Other than that, <laughs> it's like any other disease. They can be lethargic. They can lose their appetite. Uh, they can do have open mouth breathing. They can get cold limbs due to decrease in circulation. Uh, their bellies can swell, particularly if they're getting kind of that end stage cardiac disease. Uh, the sudden collapse could be a poor doer too. So if you're dealing with your kids and they're just, they never grow appropriately, that could also be an indication that something could be going on with their heart. So those are kind of, but those are very vague. I mean, name yeah. process. I can tell you it affects their appetite. They can lose weight. They're lethargic, you know? And so that's why it's so hard in our cats to, um, you know, diagnose heart disease because we don't always see the same things that we might, that might have a canine uh, owner bring their pet in because they do usually start coughing. Yeah. And there's not, you know, like, like when we go do our annual physicals and exams with our doctors, they might do a stress test They're, you know, they're kind of keeping, keeping attached. Is there anything in a routine annual exam for a cat that can be done that uh, to, to try to catch things early? I, you know, this is, I think the best thing that can, that we can do is, cat owners would be to make sure you're getting in for that annual exam be and getting that thorough physical done because it gives us that opportunity to listen to the heart, looking for evidence of irregular heart rates, murmurs, anything that could be suggestive that the heart may uh, have an issue. Other than that, it, we don't routinely recommend a bunch of testing. There are some blood tests that you can add. Uh, there's some called a pro BNP test that is run. That's kind of looking for a specific enzyme that when the heart is stretching or under stress, that can become elevated. That could lead you to, you know, want to look at the heart a little closer, closer with more of the advanced diagnostics. Hmm, interesting. And so what, what would be the most common heart disease for cats? I mean, by far, 85 to 90% of our cats, um, as they age, the one that we see the most is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And what that is, it's where the, the heart muscle itself thickens, the chambers become smaller, so they can't, you know, the, the, the blood that they should be carrying through their circulatory system is diminished because this heart muscle is so thickened, the pump isn't working as well, so it's not getting out to the body as well you know, as much. So that's probably the most common one that we get. We also will see um, kind of a restrictive cardiomyopathy. That's in about five to 10% of our uh, older cats primarily, because that's a result of scar tissue from trauma with the heart. And obviously as time goes on, that scar tissue thickens. And so then that kind of restricts the heart's ability again to pump blood and, and to function appropriately. And then there is one more 
that we see as far as the cardiomyopathy family goes, a dilated cardiomyopathy, but that's a lot less common, probably one to 2% of cats. And that's where the heart just gets big. And the instead of getting a thickening of the uh, heart muscle, you get a thinning instead. And again, and that compromises, you know, heart flow. Then outside that, there are other things like we can see inflammation of the heart muscle. So myocarditis is something that we can see um, and blood clots is another one. So you get damage to sections or parts of the heart muscle and the, and the heart lining. And then that can create uh, blood clots that create a secondary problem, you know, in and, our cat. Those and, are the primary reasons. And is there, or was any of that congestive heart failure? You know, I know that that's pretty common in, in people, certainly with heart issues. Do cats get congestive heart failure? They can. I, you know, usually that's when the heart's no longer able to keep up, uh, you know, with their circulation. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, you know, a lot of times in people and, and in our canines, you know, they're fairly active, right? They're going outside, they're going for walks, they're, you know, they're, they're putting a lot of stresses on, on the heart itself. And so we definitely see that more commonly, you know, in humans and and our canine patients, where our cats tend to kind of lay around the house. And, you know, it's not that they don't (laughs) run around on occasion, but they're not their their heart isn't necessarily getting that workout that, they would, you know, if they were out in the wild, you know, running around all over searching for food and things like that. Um, but yeah, they absolutely do get it. It's usually towards that end stage of disease when the heart just can't keep up anymore. And heart murmurs. I, for some reason, I see this a lot in the shelters though. It'll be on their notes that they, you know, they have a heart murmur and, um, what, what causes that? And can a cat live a, a normal lifespan with a heart murmur? Absolutely. So heart murmurs, they're caused when the valves aren't functioning appropriately. So normally in a, in a heart, when the valves are functioning, you'll see the the leaves come together and basically act as a block. So blood always flows one way through the heart. And what happens when those valves are functioning abnormally, they're not closing completely. And so while you get some of your blood going through the heart the appropriate direction you also get blood going backwards you know during the the beating phase and then that creates that abnormal sound that we pick up uh just because they have a heart murmur does not mean it's fatal or they have severe disease but it is something that we want to monitor on an annual basis to make sure it's not getting worse you know and again depending on how you, how your cat is doing at home will dictate, and I would often always recommend, um, particularly in older patients, you know, I'd, I'd talk to them about doing at least x-rays, doing some blood work, because there, we do know like hyperthyroidism and it is a fairly common cause of stress on the heart. And so by controlling hyperthyroidism, you know, you may be able to help the heart out. You know, chronic kidney disease has a increases blood pressure, which can have an effect. And so just routine blood work, x-rays are always great screening in the hospital. And then, you know, ultimately getting an echocardiogram done, whether it's from your veterinarian who is proficient in it, 
or a specialist coming in, or as we talked about earlier, sending to a veterinary cardiologist to have a complete heart study done to try to identify, hey, is there more to this or do we need to be doing something to try to increase the longevity of the of the cat? And so when you were talking about the the heart murmurs, that sounds a lot like a like a leaky valve. I know my mom had a a valve <laughs> leaking in her heart yeah. and they they fix it. Is that that same is that a same that thing? Is the, that, the same thing. Okay. And they're graded too. So you know we kind of grade heart murmurs one through five. Um, you know, I always broke it down pretty basic. I never called anything a one because I didn't feel my ears were sensitive enough <laughs> to call it a one. So I left that to the cardiologist. You know, two is just a very localized, soft murmur is the way I kind of describe it. So you hear it in one part of the chest. Uh, you know, then grade three is a little louder than a two. And you may hear it a little more. Mm-hmm. Four, you can hear it everywhere. And five, you can actually feel it and hear it just by walking into the room. Oh, you know, wow. it sounds like a, uh, a washing machine. Yeah, the whoosh, 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 the whoosh. 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 <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and that one is obviously a, a real severe one and actually one that uh, we will see. There are congenital heart defects that our cats can get. Uh most of them are either valve issues where you get the leaking valve mm-hmm. or sometimes it can be a hole in the wall of the heart. So the blood is going, say, from the right ventricle to the left ventricle, which is abnormal. It shouldn't go that that route. Um, and so we have those, but they're really rare in our in our cats. Um, again, only like one to two percent will show uh, congenital heart defects, but the one that always, I always think about when I walk into a room and hear, you know, that grade five heart murmur is some called patent ductus arteriosus, which we see in both dogs and cats. And, and really what that is, is that, that, uh, duct that basically what it says is when, you know, when our kittens are in the mother, the blood their, their lungs aren't functioning. So that's the duct that allows the blood to, to go past the heart and get back to the mother to supply oxygen, things like that. Typically, once they take their first breath and they're born, that duct quickly closes up mm. because now their heart's functioning. And so the blood's going to pump through the heart, go through their lung system, you know, and, and everything's going to uh, function normally. Every once in a while, that will stay open and it creates a really loud murmur. Interesting. And it's not dangerous in that you have to go in and surgically close it or that's the one that is a a surgery to to fix because, Mm. you know, obviously the blood, what's happening is the blood is not getting to the heart. I mean, to the lungs. So they're not oxygenating the blood, you know, and so, you know, that definitely can create a problem long term. And oftentimes that's the one that we're sending to a surgeon. That's not a surgery that I would yeah, do. I would be sending that to a specialist. I imagine you see that quickly, though, right? If that duct is, yeah, is... That's, that, you're going to see that in a young kitten. And, and again, I really, over the course of my career in clinical practice, where I can't even, I know I've seen it often in dogs, but I didn't, I can't remember a case of seeing it in a kitten. And that's not mm-hmm. to say that I didn't. I just, I can't recall. So that's just how rare 
these kind of defects are in our our kittens. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it is a good thing. Are there? So I've read that there are you know, certain breeds that are susceptible to cardiomyopathy. And and mm-hmm. I would assume, you know, you hear too, that anytime we have purebred, you know, animals, of course, there's a lot of that breeding that, that is breeding in genetic issues with them. Have you mm-hmm. noticed that any certain breeds have more heart issues than others? Yeah. I mean, ones that are represented in cardiomyopathy tend to be like your uh, Maine, Maine Coons, your Persians, uh, we see some heart defects in Siamese. And so we do see it. The hard part is heart disease in and of itself in, in our cats. We don't know why in a lot of instances, why they occur. There's a strong thought that it is heredity or genetics that, that can predispose them. So those breeds are a little more heavily represented uh, in the cardiomyopathy, uh, you know, arena of diagnosing disease. And we also, interestingly enough, we see more in males than we do in females. Interesting. Interesting. And that's but, not, that's the opposite in humans, right? Isn't it more right. women have heart disease than men? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, it, it's very interesting. And, and, and that's why I think because it's so hard in our in our cats to identify it and it's usually this sudden event and unless you pursue something you know after you know the the cat passes or something like that we don't necessarily see it i mean it's it's literally when they throw a clot due to hypertrophic cardiomyopathy you know it's usually so fast that you know again Hey, my cat died suddenly. And then our thought process is, Ooh, it could have been hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Right. But, but who's, number, who's going to pay to have a autopsy done to find exactly. out. Right. You know, so, <laughs> so again, I think that's why sometimes the numbers are so uh, skewed and, and it's not as common because we may be missing, missing some of them, you know, due to the sudden death and, and not really identifying the, you know, the actual cause. Yeah. Yeah. Now is, so, you know, in humans, of course, being overweight and diabetes and obesity and things like that, we're always told leads to heart disease. Is that true with cats? I think it's absolutely, you know, anything that puts added stress on the system is going to have an impact on the heart. So diabetes can have an impact on the heart. uh, hyperthyroidism has a direct impact on the heart when they're overweight, you know, it requires the the body and the, and the heart to function a little more because it's harder for them to move around and jump and do those things. And so absolutely there's a lot of underlying factors. We've talked previously about dental disease and dental disease is another leading reason why we may see issues with the heart because the bacteria from the mouth loves to go invade the, mm. you know, the valves. And then they get some called bacterial endocarditis, which is just a bacterial infection that's now seated on that valve. And then it makes the valves heavy. And then you get heart murmurs because of that. And so, mm. you know, keeping the pet's teeth cleaned and, and going for 
annual exams at a minimum, just again, it's just to make sure everything is functioning as well as possible to try to minimize other disease processes. Yeah. And since it is such a silent killer, it is important to, I mean, those those annual exams where you're getting a, a full look at your cat's health, like you said, dental, get your get your cat's teeth cleaned at least once a year and and keep them in a healthy weight range. And I find that a lot of people don't don't have a good visual on what that is. And so I have one of those, of course, body score charts that the food manufacturers put out. So if anybody's listening and you need a good visual on how, you know, what your cat's body ought to look like, email me and I'll, it's molly at cattalkradio.com and I'll be happy to send that chart to you because I find people... People find it kind of opposite to humans. People find obese cats acceptable and cute when really they don't realize how lean they should be keeping them. Right. No, and absolutely. And I always tell owners, even if you don't have the chart, if you think about it, if you're seeing ribs and they're really sunken after the rib cage, usually that's the picture of a one, which is too thin. You know, and then there's that variation at a two where you're starting to see the ribs and, you know, and but they're still sunken after the rib cage. Again, that's now mildly thin. Then the perfect ideal is you you easily feel the ribs, but you don't you don't necessarily see them. And they have that little tuck right that after curve. The yeah. Yeah. Curve in a little bit. If they go rib to hip straight back. They're overweight and right. if they look like a barrel. <laughs> yeah, they're obese, right? <laughs> now they're, yeah, they're obese. And depending, yeah. their scales of zero to five. And there's, you know, the scale I always liked was, you know, one to nine. Kind of one to nine. Yeah. And just different variations, you know, just little things that you can get really specific about. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the one. The longer the scale, the harder it is to get to that nine. So, <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> true. <laughs> I always say, you know, if you look down on your cat, if you're if you're he's standing between your legs and you're looking down on him, you should you should be able to see a slight hourglass figure. Exactly. Yeah. And I find that, you know, a lot of the high carb diets also don't really allow them to build lean muscle mass again, just just like with us. Yeah. And so they don't tend to have as much of a, a figure as as cats that are on carb diets are a little puffier just like us yeah no absolutely <laughs> me in particular <laughs> i'm with you there for sure <laughs> so is there um anything else that pet owners can do besides an annual exam dental cleanings and and good diet and making sure cat stays you know within a good healthy weight that they could do to to help prevent this it's really, those are the, the key, you know, the key factors. It's, it's observing your, you know, your cat at home and looking for those changes that may not be significant, but they're staying persistent. You know, that would be an indication to maybe check things out. You know, I'm not a big alarmist that says, hey, your pet doesn't eat for a day. Call me immediately, you know. I mean, unless there's other things going on, but you know, it's, it, it's always observation is probably the biggest key because the ones that know their pets, the best are, are you, the, the, the client. 
And so we need your help at identifying what is normal and abnormal in them. And you're looking for that persistent because that cat that just doesn't seem as active, there's a lot of things that can do that. Arthritis, all these other disease processes. It's important if they're staying persistent and it's a change to get to the vet to hopefully identify these things before they end up in a sudden crisis that now we're behind the eight ball and may or may not be able to help. And so I think that's probably the number one thing that, you know, that pet owners can do is watch their pet at home. And just like you said, make sure the annual exam at least once a year, if they're senior pets, things change so rapidly. You know, I'm a big advocate of twice a year visits at that point. Again, it's just one more chance to listen to the heart, get a feel of the belly, just make sure nothing's showing that we may want to address. And 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 that's really all we can do. I mean, unfortunately, there's a higher being sometimes that makes the ultimate decision on what's going to happen. But those are the things that we can do to try to stay one step ahead the best that we can. Yeah. And then it's just like us, you know, if we live a, a healthy life consistently, then then we're going to be in pretty good shape. You know, we're 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 beating the odds at that point as we age. Whereas if we're if we're not maintaining good health long term, it catches up with you in, in one way or another. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good. Anything else about heart disease in cats we should know today? No, I think, I, you know, I think the, the good news um, is. If heart disease is discovered, you know, there are things that we can do to try to help, you know, them live with heart disease, just like we do on the human side. There are medications uh, that each have very specific things that they do to help the heart function more efficiently um, to just try to prolong the longevity of our patients. So, just because you hear heart disease or you hear a murmur does not mean it's a, you know, necessarily a death sentence for our patients. It just means that we need to be a little more diligent and medicate when necessary and monitor, monitor, monitor uh, throughout the entire process because things can change. And so we're just trying to help their bodies and their heart work as long as they possibly can. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have a theory too, that, you know, cats really haven't evolved all that much from their wildcat ancestors and, and you know, and from living outdoors and their bodies. I mean, they don't typically outdoors live more than eight or 10 years. And so I'm not sure that their organ evolution has really caught up with their 20 year lifespan. And and I think we do see that we struggle with keeping the kidneys functioning and potentially the heart and and other organs like that because they're living so long. Well, and, and which is a great thing, right? Yeah. I mean, just think about that evolution of where they are today. And I've mentioned this a few times in our discussions that, you know, my my daughter just finished her third year in veterinary school. And I'm a firm believer that when I graduated, I used to say six to eight years was that life expectancy because a lot of pets were still outdoors and had to put up with coyotes and cars and, you know, the environment, all, all those things. And now that they're in the house and they're getting veterinary care, you know, 13 to 15, now maybe 14 to 16. And one day I, I hope that 
I hear out of her mouth, dad, pets are now living over 20 years of age, which is just amazing. I, you know, to think that, you know, since 1994, when I graduated, we've had that big a job. Do I ever think they're going to live to 50? Who knows? Right. Who knows? I'll be long gone by then, (laughs) you know, but medicine just keeps getting better. And I think uh, our pet owners are vested in the medical and and preventative care that's necessary. That is that's that's the game changer. It's once they became part of the family that changed the lives of every pet out there because they're, they're willing to sometimes do just about anything, Yeah, you know, to, to keep them going. It's no longer, eh, you know, heart disease time for a new cat, you know? Yeah. You know, back in the 50s, 60s, unfortunately the way it was. Yeah. And it's that way for a lot of people. They cannot, you know, can't afford. There's no Medicare for for pets, so they can't really afford, you know, a lot of those treatments. So sadly, and I and I'm glad, you know, that they don't live any longer than they do naturally, because I think there'd be there'd be a an even bigger problem. You know, take birds for example that live 50, 75 years, and you know, what happens when their owners die and people don't want to take care of them anymore? Right. And, you know, what what do you do with them? There's there's not any good answers there. So that's yeah. probably it's probably good. Our society's managing it the best they can right now <laughs> with the lifespan there is. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for joining us again today. It's my pleasure. Yeah. We look forward to talking to you again next month. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, keep calm and purr on. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.